Hey, what's going on, family? It's Brother Technico here. About to give you my last final thoughts uh, for a while on the Makia Bryant situation that uh, that occurred in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, there's been a lot of different feelings going on about this. I've already commented on quite a few of them. I don't really feel the need to bring up the O.J. Simpson or the LeBron James or just the, the sports media. I will make this comment, though. Uh, part of this issue becoming divisive has a lot to do with athletes and sports networks, particularly sports networks, because it's not so much the athletes. You do have a lot of outspoken athletes, but what's been happening is athletes speak out and media outlets speak for the athlete or contextualize or critique the athlete. So in, a, in many ways, we have sports outlets critiquing racial issue, issues in this country, and I think that's a big that's a big problem. But anywho, there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different articles, a lot of stuff that I've went through. Um, there's some that I got saved, so I'll be uh, referring to that in just a bit. That kind of like each one essentially has truths in it, but there's varying stories. And what I'm going to read to you is Mob Rule in New Orleans by Ida B. Wells. I brought this up on a uh, an older podcast when I first brought up. Graham versus Connor, Terry Scott, and just the history of police brutality, and then also using the law to your advantage to kind of get away with it. So I just want to show you within uh, within this, she documents in um, this is about 1895, I believe. Or that may be the uh, the red record, maybe 1895. Just give me a moment. Oh, so 1900. So this one's written five years after the red record. And she basically documents the two different stories uh, that two newspapers gave on a particular incident. Uh, This incident took place between uh, some police officers and two black men, one older, one uh, much younger. Um, You had some people say that, you know, they were attacking the officers. The officers said they were coming because uh, some other women in the area had reported some issues with them. Long story short, and I'll get into the details in just a moment. Uh, and then, and the new, uh, new papers are the New Orleans Times Democrat and the New Orleans Picayune, which I see, I feel is still around. I, I believe I've still seen the New Orleans Picayune. But let's get into the documentation. So the New Times Democrat of Tuesday, what they said about the the event was two blacks who are desperate men and no doubt will be proven burglars made it interesting, made it interesting and dangerous for three blue coats on Dryad Street between Washington Avenue and 6th Street. The Negroes using pistols first dropping patrolman Mora, but the desperate darkies did not go free for the taller of the two. Robinson is badly roomed in, in undercover while Leonard Pierce is in jail. Leonard Pierce is the young man. For a long time, that particular neighborhood has been troubled with bad Negroes, and neighbors were complaining to the 6th Precinct Police about them. But but of late, Pierce and Robinson had been camping on a doorstep on the street, and people regarded their actions as suspicious. It got to such a point that some of the residents were afraid to go to bed, and last night, uh, this was told Sergeant uh, Acoin, who was rounding up his men. He had just picked up officers more in control on Washington Avenue and Dryad Street and catching a glimpse of uh, of blacks on the steps. He said that he would go over and warn the men to get away from the street. So the patrolman followed and Sergeant Coyne asked the uh, asked smaller fellow Pierce if he lived there. The answer was short and impertinent. 
basically irrelevant. That's another word for irrelevant. The black saying he did not, and the and both Pierce and Robinson drew up to their full height. For the moment, the sergeant did not think that the Negroes meant fight. He was at, he was on the point of ordering them away when Robinson slipped his pistol from his pocket. Pierce had his revolver out too. He fired once, point blank at the sergeant, and just then Robinson began shooting at the patrolman. In a second, the policemen were and blacks were fighting with their revolvers, and the sergeant having a duel with Pierce, while and while Control and Moore drew their line of fire on Robinson, who was working his uh, revolver for all he was worth. One of his shots took Moore in the right hip. Another caught his index finger on the right hand, and a third struck his small finger on the left hand. Poor Moore was done for. He could, not, he could not fight anymore, but Contrell kept up his fire, being answered by the big black. Pierce, re, Pierce's revolver broke down the cartridge snapping, and he threw up his hands, begging for quarter. And I'm not going to go too much into all this. Sergeant Lawyers, but some sisters, citizens ran over there. And I'm... Now, mind you, just before I continue, mind you, they're not necessarily a lot. Like, this would be looked at as, like, like almost the onion, or like a gossip, like in the in the way that this was written. So clearly certain things have changed, but you do see uh, some elements that still persist to this day, particularly when we talk about uh, neighbors said their actions as uh, suspicious, so on and so forth. You know, we don't know who these witnesses are. We don't know these statements. We just heard that this had happened. But let me continue. Because what the New York's picking you says, and it's been a while since I've read this, but I'm, it, these are two different stories. Um, you, you get a, you get a different look. Both don't look favorably at the black folks, at the two black men. However, both stories are too, so widely different. It's like, which, which part of this is true? Anyway, let's get into it. So you guys can see for yourself. The New Orleans Picayune of the same date described the occurrence. And from its account, one would think that it was entirely, uh, an entirely different affair. Both of the two, uh, two accounts cannot be true. And the unquestioned fact is neither of them sets out the facts as they occur. Both accounts attempt to fix the beginning of the hostiles upon the colored men. But both were compelled to admit that the colored men were sitting on the doorsteps quietly conversing with one another when the three policemen went up and accosted them. The Times Democrat unguardedly states that one of the two colored men tried to run away, that Moore seized him and then drew his billy and struck him on the head, that Charles broke away and started to run, after which the shooting began. The Picayune, however, declares that Pierce began the firing, and that a co- and that his a coins, were, uh, and that he was out. Oh, and Pyrus never fig- signed with a figure shot. He was covered by Alcon's revolver. Charles and the offenders did all the shooting. The Picayune account as is is as follows. Patrolman Moran was shot in the right hip and dangerously wounded last night at 8.30 o'clock at Dryad Street between Washington and 6 by two Negroes who were sitting on a doorstep in the neighborhood. The shooting of the patrolman Mora brings to the memory the fact that he was one of the partners of, uh, of patrolman Tripp, who was shot by a Negro soldier in the United States government during the progress of the Spanish-American War. The shooting uh, of Mora by the Negro last night is a very simple story. At the hour mentioned, three Negro, mem- uh, ah, three Negro women noticed two suspicious men sitting on a doorstep in the above. Sorry about that, family. I didn't turn my do not disturbed on. I got a call. But continue where I left off. The shooting of patrolman... Oh, no, I already did all that. At the hour mentioned, three Negro women noticed two suspicious men sitting on a doorstep in the above locality. The women saw the two men uh, making an apparent inspection of the building, like they're casing it or something. As they told the story, uh, they saw the man look over the fence and examine the window blinds, and they paid particular attention to the makeup of the building. 
which was a two-story affair. About that time, Sergeant J.C. O'Corn and Officers Moore and J.D. Contrell hove in sight. The women hailed them and described them to the, to the, uh, described them the suspicious actions of the two Negroes, who were still sitting on the step. The trio of blue coats, on hearing the facts, at once crossed the street and accosted the men. The latter answered that they were waiting for a friend whom they were expecting. Not satisfied with this answer, the sergeant asked them where they lived, and they, and they replied downtown, but could not designate the locality. Two other questions put by the officers at law, of the larger of the two Negroes replied that they had just been in town three days. As this reply was made, the larger man sprang to his feet and patrolman Moore, seeing that he was about to run away, seized him. The Negro took a firm hold of the officer and a scuffle ensued. Mora, noting that he was not being assisted by his brother officers, drew his billy and struck the Negro on the head. The blow had but little effect upon the man, for he broke away and started down the street. When, about 10 feet away, the Negro drew his revolver and opened fire on the officers, firing three or four shots. The third shot struck Mora in the right hip, who was subsequently found to have taken up an upward course. Although badly wounded, Mora drew his pistol and returned fire. At his third shot, the Negro noticed to, uh, noticed to stagger, but he did not fall. He continued his flight. At this moment, Sergeant O'Coin seized the other Negro, who proved to be a youth, Leon Pierce, as the officer Moore, who, uh, who was shot, sank to the sidewalk, and the other officers ran to the nearest telephone and sent a call for an ambulance. Upon its arrival, the, off the wounded officer was placed in it and conveyed to the hospital. An examination by the house surgeon revealed the fact that the bullet had been taken an upward course, the opinion of the surgeon that the wound was a dangerous one. Uh, I'll continue with this, uh, this last little statement by Ida B. Wells. But the best proof uh, of the fact that the officers accosted the two colored men without any warrant or other justification uh, attempted to arrest them and did actually seize and begin to club one of them is shown by Officer Moore's own statement. The officer was wounded and had every reason in the world to make his side of the story as good as possible. His statement was made to a Picayune reporter at the, at the, uh, and the same was published on the 25th uh, Institute as, as follows. I was in the neighborhood on Dryad Street and Washington Street and with Sergeant O'Coin and Officer Contrell when three Negro women came up to us and told us there were two suspicious looking Negroes on a step between Washington and Six. We went to the place uh, indicated and found two Negroes. We interrogated them as to who they were and what they were doing and how long they had been there. They replied they were working for someone and had been in town for three days. It was a, about this stage, the larger of the two Negroes got up and I grabbed them. The Negro pulled, but I held fast and he finally pulled me into the street. Here I began using my billet. And the Negro jerked from my grasp and ran. He then pulled a, pulled a gun and fired. I fired my gun and returned fired, each of us firing about three shots. I saw the Negro stumble several times. I thought I had shot him, but he had ran away, so I don't know whether any of my shots had any effect. Sergeant O'Coin, in the meantime, held the, uh, held the other man fast. The other man was about 10 feet from me when he fired. And the, other th and the three Negresses who had told us about the men stood away about 25 feet from the shooting. So I know I went a little bit longer than I said I would, but... Within those two stories, you see one where they said they had heard about something suspicious going on beforehand. You've seen another story that had said that uh, by the Picayune saying that uh, women, uh, three black women had said that these men were basically casing the place. You get this man's statement uh, about suspicious people. You, you just hear a whole bunch of different stories. Why is this relevant? Well, we see essentially the same event occurring, the same event happening, right? with different details, different details that makes you wonder if 
any of either of these stories are true, right? So let me continue because there's some relevance here. And I'm going to bring this up and I'm going to use some examples. I'm not going to talk about, I've already brought up the sun, but I'm going to bring up the AP news and I'm going to bring up the insider, you know, just to give you these two. There's a whole bunch of these. New York Daily Times even has one. You know, NPR, there's a whole bunch of these. But I'm going to show you just within these two, similarly how Ida B. Wells uh, Barnett did the two different stories. And you guys have already heard me speak about my, about my research and what I've found. So let me just get into this. Columbus, Ohio. Body camera footage from other officers released one day in the fatal shooting of Micaiah Bryant, a black teenager who charged at two people with a knife. Show, uh, showed a chaotic scene that happened within minutes of the verdict of George Floyd's killing and ignited outrage by many over the continued use of use lethal force by police in Columbus in the U.S. Officials with the Columbus Division of Police had released initial footage of the shooting Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night, just hours after it happened, which was a departure from protocol as the force faces immense scrutiny from the public following a series of recent high profile police killings that have led to clashes. Bryant was 16 in foster care with Franklin County's Children's Services at the time of her death. Her grandmother, Deborah Wilcox, described her as a shy and quiet girl who liked making hair and dance uh, videos on TikTok. The, uh, the fact that, uh, that I see what I saw in the video is not how I know my Makia, Wilcox told Associated Press on Wednesday. I don't know what happened there unless she was fearful for her life, unquote. The incident caused, caused an outcry in the community and nationwide as Brian's killing by the second high-profile high fatal shooting of a teenager uh, by police in last month. Body camera footage released last week showed an officer shoot and kill 13-year-old Adam Toledo in Chicago. It's a tragedy, and there's no other way to say it. It's a 16-year-old, I'm a father, interim Columbus Police Chief Michael Woods told reporters Wednesday. Her family is, is grieving, regardless of the circumstances associated with this. A 16-year-old lost her life yesterday. He added, I sure, as hell, I sure as hell wish it wouldn't have happened. Okay, so I'm going to stop it right there. There's more. If you guys want to look more into that, look at AP News. Uh, this article is by Farnoosh Amiri and Andrew Welsh Huggins. Okay, this was posted yesterday on AP News. And there's some things that I would like to point, uh, point up. And like I said, the way that they write, wrote papers in the early 1900s when things were different, they clearly they could say whatever they want to call you, Negro, Negress, um, if we even go up there, sure to be thugs. So you didn't have to uh, really hide the fact that you were trying to criminalize these people. But let me show you a couple of things within just this article that I find. And it's not just what it says. I'm also going to get into some of the omissions. And as we should know, it's the omissions that do the most damage, it's what they don't tell you. So we get into the first one. A black teenager who charged at two, uh, two people with a knife showed a chaotic scene. And they're not the only people who've reported it like this. For many of us who've seen the video, and I'm going to get into the next article, there's, like, there's so many different stories. That's not what happened. Okay. Um, she definitely pushed a girl down. And that girl was also kicked. If anybody paid attention to the full clip, but that girl was also kicked. There was so much time in between time, but that's neither here nor there. It's clear that at a point she had a knife, whether she was swinging it at the girl. Uh, one, you know, one report said she was stabbing the girl. Um, that's not what happened. It also doesn't mention the police, uh, the police call that brought them here, you know, 
the other uh, others, and we'll get into this. They'll they'll kind of talk about it. They'll talk about a uh, call about two girls fighting. There's only a few that actually mention is the fact that she made the call that she was actually in fear for her life. So when we get into the next statement that her auntie makes, you know, the and this wasn't the full statement. So they just kind of took a piece of what she said because it's that that piece kind of helps the angle. The fact that I see what I saw in that video is not how I know. My Makia Wilcox told uh, uh, Associated Press on Wednesday, I don't know what happened there unless she was fearful of her life. And family, go look at the video. She says a whole lot more than that. Uh, this is, you know, especially this is not how she wants them to remember her. They don't talk, you know, she uh, she briefly mentions like the incident, but it's just kind of, you know, kind of shocked by the whole thing. But to, to take this whole, this snippet, or what she says and kind of take it out of context. It's very similar to how they've taken Deshaun Watson's massage therapist. Remember, family, I told you about that. Okay. And they took what she said out of context. They took the, her text message out of context. And even though she went and did an interview and, and flatly said that text message was taken out of context, people are still doing what they will with it. You know what I mean? And taking little soundbouts and little pieces to prove, uh, prove their overall point. Okay, so let me get into the next one. Let me get to the next one. This one is on The Insider, written by Sarah L. Arshani and Mia Yankowitz. Uh, police and body camera footage released after the failed police uh, shooting of a 16-year-old girl in Columbus, Ohio, show her running past an officer while holding what the police described as a knife. The video showing the shooting of Makia Bryant was shown at the press conference Tuesday night. She was pronounced dead a little over an half an hour, a half an hour later at a local hospital. Officers were dispatched at the Walnut Heights area or Columbus at 4, uh, 4.36 p.m. after receiving a call that several girls were fighting outside. Interim Police Chief Michael Woods told reporters, The police uh, arrived at the two-story home at 4.44 p.m. and the footage shows a group of six to eight people in front of the house. And then they have a little link where they show the video. Within the first few seconds of their arrival, Bryant runs into the body camera's view and appears to push another girl to the ground. Bryant then runs away from the officer whose camera is recording and appears to swing a knife at the girl who's standing by the hood of a car. The, fi the officer fires his weapon at Bryant. Four distinct shots can be heard. A knife appears to drop on the ground, appear next to her as she falls to the ground. The entire incident occurs within the first 15 seconds of the video. Remember, family, this is exactly what I was talking about. 15 seconds. So for all these people that are sitting out there talking about this and that, and you clearly saw 15 seconds by the time they arrive, eight seconds before the cop is in view of the uh, of the girl and the people and the group of people before 15 seconds pass, this girl's already shot four times. That, that's that's significant. That's significant. And I, one thing I like about this, I, and this isn't my favorite, I guess you could say, article. There's so many of these. But this, this one, at least, appears to try to be somewhat objective here, especially when they mention the 15 seconds. The two officers, well, let, me, let me continue. Two officers then move towards Bryant and call for medical support while people nearby can be hurling. She's an effing kid, man. Are you stupid? This is also the same dude who, who kicks the girl. So the other thing they don't mention and family, again, go watch the video. She pushes the girl guy and the dude, who I believe is her uncle. I'm not I'm not completely sure. Kicks the, you know, kicks that girl down. 
there's so much evidence that that leads to the fact that these two girls were here harassing this girl. Another thing that I didn't like that was in the first article that I forgot to mention is that in this article here, they don't bother to mention the fact that she was a foster care. You know what I'm saying? Now, clearly she's with family, but they had to throw that in there because what do people think about children who come from foster care? Oh, broken homes, they have issues, they are uh, prone to violence, prone to have certain things. So now her wielding a knife seems, seems more aggressive than defensive. Okay, and that was in the previous one by Associated Press. This one, this article doesn't do that. This article just appears ostensibly, at least on the surface, is trying to give you certain details. Have they have they missed a few details? Yes, quite a bit. But I like what I see. They're showing. Okay, they're here at four thirty-six. They arrive uh, pretty quickly. It doesn't seem to be a bad neighborhood, so that's probably why they were there about eight minutes after uh, they heard the call. You know. And within 15 seconds, opens fire. I'm sorry, family. If I were just to go just on these two things alone, what would you what would you be able to make of this story? So clearly. And I shouldn't say clearly because it's not clearly it's very subtle. But according to the people who knew her. And it's not just her family. There's other people that ta- that speaks to the character of this young girl. The reason I brought up Deshaun Watson is because another common element in these issues, another common attack is to attack the character. Even if you've shown nothing but upstanding character at the same time, at the same exact time, any little blemish you do, you are as bad as the worst criminal. But let me, let me digress and let me keep on topic. Let me stay on track. Here's the deal. We have to be careful of media outlets. If we're going to get involved in this story, then we ha- we can't be satisfied. First of all, if you're going by what the media is telling you verbatim, then you can't be satisfied by one source. Some common sense has to be applied here. I don't agree with the celebrities who said that this ain't it. I don't agree with the celebrities who have bought into the narrative who, who are interpreting things the way that certain people would like you to interpret them. I'm also... I'm also not in agreement with this idea that nothing else could be done. 15 seconds. And let's be very clear here. Another thing I liked about this insider article, they says what appears to be a knife. Now that could be read one way or another. But when you look at the video, can you can you positively say that she has a knife in her hand? I couldn't tell. First, it looked like she was swinging on the girls. 
Secondly, I feel like if she wanted to stab the girls, the first girl that she pushed down would have been stabbed. She wouldn't have been pushed down. Now, putting myself in her shoes for a moment. If I'm getting accosted by now, I had I got to a point where I felt like whatever was going on was so bad. I had to call the police. Now I'm at my highest limit. I'm not saying that with that that at that point it's right, but I'm just trying to step into those shoes. And if I got a knife in my hand and I want to use it, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna push somebody. I'm not just you know what I'm saying. If this really is scuffed, I'm really aggressive like that. The first person, as soon as I break through, I'm not gonna push one person down, and then just go just like I'm gonna knock her down. And I'm gonna stab her up. No, that doesn't make sense. What does make sense to me though, when I'm looking at the full body of evidence or what's been reported, that if Makia Bryant was reporting a knife. And somebody doing that. And at some point she gets the knife. Now, I'm, again, not agreeing with what she did. That's that's not. If the, if this is if this is actually what was happening. You know what I'm saying? But it seemed like. The bulk of the aggression was going to a particular female, particular young girl. You know what I mean? It's 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 not too far. It's not too far fetched for me to believe that it was the girl with the plink uh, uh, sweatsuit on who had the knife. You know what I'm saying? And at some point, and who knows? The situation may have been getting resolved around that point because uh, you got you got a big crowd, crowd of people out there. You know, the girl is clearly upset because she breaking, she busts through. So we don't know. We don't know what the hell just happened, but it could be just wrapping up. It's, it's eight minutes. If you ever been into a fight, fights don't last that damn long. You know what I mean? But anyway, I digress. I just don't know. I just don't know if I I just don't know if I would make that decision again. I just don't know. Like. I I just can't agree with the premise and I'm and I'm going to wrap things up. I can't agree with the premise that there was nothing else that that officer could have did. But let me stay on the purpose of this and, and why I'm making these comparisons. When we look at these articles, let's go back to Associated Press for just a moment. When we look at things like 16-year-old and in foster care, you know, a black teenager who charged at two people with a knife. That, you know, little details like that. And if people only look, and let's, let's be real, most people don't read every damn newspaper. They probably read like a couple of their local ones and a couple of big ones. NPR, New York Times, Washington Post, whatever, whatever your your flavor is, Huffington Post, whatever your flavor is, right? If you if you just read this particular article right here, you would think that girl like you you would think that that offer, officer is justified. What I would like to remind people is the role of media in government, what they're considered. I took I took classes for this. Okay, it's whatever. Point is, the media is oftentimes regarded as the fourth branch of government. And in many ways, whether this is true or not, they are considered the checks and balances. Okay? Now, let me tell you what they actually are. Because if we look through the connections and the roots, if we look and see that many people who are in Congress have relationships and family members who have big positions at these media outlets, you know, how it's not unusual for certain popular people, 
uh, who report on, let's say, politics to step into politics. Like it's let's, let's look at the connection. If we look at the media as a fourth branch of government, then we must look at the, the media as an entity that's willing to protect the rest of its body. If it's a part of the body, then it has a duty to protect the rest of it. So what, I, so what we see here with the Associated Press is no different than what you see in New Times Democrat and the New Orleans Picayune in, in the 1900s. What we have is forces, a system, an organization split up called the media. Use their power to protect and in, in some ways strengthen the, strengthen the potential case that could, that could occur against one of these police officers. That's their, that's their job. Now, part of their job is to get credibility. So part of the job is to at least ostensibly report the truth to the public. The public only needs to believe that you're telling the truth or believe that you're trustworthy. Then you can kind of say whatever you want. So part of so this is a game. That's 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 the bottom line. This is a game. And though I've been calling out the system, I've been calling out the government and the thing that we're in. And you've got the families heard me bring up the media. But I think now is the perfect time to show everyone or just to illustrate why I bring up the media as it relates to government, why the media is important. So when we think about Pizzagate, when we think about how the media handled Pizzagate, it was protecting its body. It is it is essentially it's like going to an uh, arbitration. You know what I'm saying? You you know about arbitration, like you go work for a company and instead of, you know, they make you try to sign this little agreement that if anything happens that you'll go through their their own system of arbitration. You know what I'm saying? Which is basically their own personal like little court before you go and and take it to a court. Essentially, like it's the relationship is similar like that, you know, where they want you to go to them for the truth, go to them for the info. But in but in actuality, an arbiter works for the company. You see what I'm saying? So their interests are protected by the company, or their, you know, their interest is in protecting the company. The company's was giving them a check. So if you're if you're in media, and you have relationships with people that are in government, you're gonna have you're gonna look at them in a certain light. There's certain th- that that's just how it is. Now. Again, when it comes to the police, the police, they can kind of regard them in any way that they want to. The police are the pawns of the system. I've already brought this up. The police are the pawns, so they have a purpose. They can be upgraded in position to have more power, but that position won't be called police at that point. Okay, the way that I look at the media. The media are the bishops. They look like pawns, but they're not pawns. They don't, you know, they they attack like pawns, but they can cover more ground than a pawn can. See, the media can do more damage 
to the black community than any one police organization can because of their reach. Because of their ability to grasp wide audiences. If Associated Press was the only media outlet or one of the most like the most trusted media outlet, how many people would be believing this story? They can reach people overseas. That's that's a lot of power. You know, police can only do so much. But the media can represent us in such a way to where the rest of the world thinks we're one thing when actuality we're something else. What we should really call media, which we already know that they are, they are the masters of propaganda. So if we have a propaganda attack, how is it that we're not looking at the media first? Government can say this, they can do that. But at the end of the day, who's disseminating the message? And I got to bring up Pizzagate again, because you got people in Hollywood who also disseminate this message. So you got every form of media is attached to the government. That may sound like some wild conspiracy until you start checking receipts. Then not after you check the receipts, you then look at the actions. What kind of actions take place? They may not be willing to lie, but they are willing to omit. That was John Henry Clark's biggest, biggest point. It is in the white man's omissions where they do the most damage. It's what they don't tell you about a situation. Yeah, you probably think that girl was all buck wild until you realize she's the one who called the police for them to come over there. It was those other two girls who are in the wrong. At what point is it not within your constitutional right to defend yourself? There's, come on now. That's just, that's just ridiculous. The police were there, as I quote, there for 15 seconds. One of the jobs of the police when you show up on the scene was to make your presence felt. So people know peace officers are around. This is ridiculous. We have more people trying to excuse these officers for doing a poor job than holding them accountable to the job that they're meant to keep. So like I said, this was the last thing I'm going to say about this for now. I'm going to allow, I'm going to allow more of the information to come in. Again, I got some things I got to do this weekend, but I wanted to get this stuff out to you while it's hot, while it's in my heart. This stuff like this is the the these situations bother me. These these situations bother me. Especially, you know, I can bring up the fact that I got family in law enforcement. But that has never stopped me from the wrath of what the police want to do to you. The point that I keep bringing up is that we just keep getting mad about the ultimate form of the police brutality, the ultimate form of the inequity. I'm not just mad like we should be upset every time there's a death, but that's not the only way 
police can terrorize a community. And, and like I said in the first podcast, when this happened, that's why black people don't call the police. That's why black people tend to solve their own issues. Even if you say, oh, if they showed up, somebody might have got stabbed. They'll be alive, though. They would be alive. You know? That's all I got to say. Peace, love, and light, y'all. I hope you guys have been enjoying these podcasts these last couple of times. Um, I'm just keeping them coming. Just keeping them going. Uh, Keep sharing. Keep putting people on game. I'm seeing that, you know, you guys have definitely been doing that. I've seen uh, the listens go up. So I really, really, really appreciate that. You know, I do this for y'all. You know, I want I, I, I want things to be different. And part of, you know, making things different is bringing awareness, but bringing awareness to the right things and then having a plan. And I always like to be one of those people who at least have a plan, at least have something. If I don't got nothing, you know, at least have a viable move to at least to work towards. So again, I love y'all. Thanks for the continued support. I'm going to keep pushing, you know, nonstop. Let's get it.